Policy Week. Reduke Student Collaborative on Health Policy will be featuring professors, students, and experts in the health policy field across campus and the broader Durham community. My name is Ria Mohan, and I'm the co-editor-in-chief with Angela Huang for the SCOPE podcast. In this episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into the subject of healthcare for trans individuals, led by Jordan. Enjoy. I'll just have you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us about you, what you do, how you got into it. Okay, so um, my name is Donna Rasmussen. I'm a healthcare navigator with Legal Aid of North Carolina. Um, We are the head of a statewide consortium called the NC Navigator Consortium. So we are the lead grantee and we have a number of sub-grantees. So we cover the entire state of North Carolina. I've been doing this work since 2018, so coming up on four years now in March. And I started as a volunteer coordinator during the previous presidential administration. Navigator funding was cut and they needed to rely more on volunteers. So I was brought in for my experience working with AmeriCorps. But uh, now that we are better funded, I've transitioned to more of a training role. So teaching other navigators kind of the ropes and onboarding new staff and doing um, ongoing um, professional development for the navigators. All right. And uh, I actually got to know you through volunteering with Legal Aid. And I remember one of our meetings, you had mentioned some of the various, we've asked about various care for trans people. And you provided a very good answer. And so could you give some of the listeners a little background on what it's like for trans people getting access to gender affirming care? So, uh, you know, just before I, you know, answer that, I want to preface this by saying that, you know, I can't personally speak to the trans experience, but I am designated as an LGBTQ friendly navigator. And I have some experience working with trans folks who are seeking coverage and looking for providers. Each person is going to face unique obstacles when seeking health care that's going to cover their specific health needs. And people will likely run into additional challenges that I haven't thought of. But what I can say is that um, marketplace plans sold through healthcare.gov can no longer refuse to ensure transgender people have exclusions that deny all transition-related care, deny coverage solely because you're transgender, or limit access to sex-specific services like hysterectomies or prostate exams based on sex assigned at birth, gender identity, or gender marker. But that said, each plan is going to have its own rules and exceptions, so reading the fine print is super important. There is a great resource that I uh, recommend to folks. It's a website, www.out, the number two, and then enroll.org. Uh, and they actually have trans guides to health insurance for uh, marketplace plans uh, in all 50 states. So you can go and look at North Carolina's. And they've done sort of an independent review of the policies of the various plans that are offered on the marketplace um, and which companies you know, tend to have clear coverage and which might have silent coverage or might have exclusions still. But, you know, it boils down to you've got to look at all of the plan documents and exclusions, look at the summary benefits of coverage, reach out to the insurance company if there's a specific um, service or procedure that you're looking for to get covered, you know, to make sure that it will be, you know, get prior authorization, that be thing. Generally, to make sure that the insurance is going to pay for it, you need to get it approved first. So it's basically jumping through some extra hoops. It definitely sounds like a great resource to have. It all sounds very like a process to navigate. Oh, I was going to say they have links to, um, you know, directories where you can look for LGBT friendly providers and things like that as well. So it's a, it's a great resource, not just for the trans community. And so with uh, gender affirmation surgery, 
prices generally comparable to other surgical procedures? Is there kind of any kind of discrimination there in the pricing that you know of? It's, it's hard to say because medical pricing is so opaque. Um, and, you know, it depends on which place you go to and which doctors in network and, you know, which insurance you have and, you know, because there are different prices for various things. So I'm not necessarily sure. There's not really that many places that necessarily even do the surgery. So I know, for example, in Winston-Salem, where I'm located, there's like two major health systems in town and one of them does surgery and one of them doesn't. So people don't necessarily have the option to price shop because they might be limited by who is in their network, who is, you know, performing the service that they need. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it to Kieran to ask our next question. That's all right, Kieran, if you want to introduce yourself really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Kieran. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I am the VP of education with Blue Devils United. So uh, Jordan kindly invited me to this recording. Fantastic. Nice so. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, and your work sounds super important. Uh, I remember, thankfully, I was a minor. And so my parents went through a lot of the like very difficult work of figuring out how insurance worked for me and all the like oh, yeah. sort of legal legal hoops yet to jump through as a young trans person, especially in transition. So the work you do is absolutely incredible. Thank you for, for you know, uh, serving other members of our community. Oh, well, um, I'm happy to do it. I wish my job wasn't necessary, but here we are. Don't we all? Uh, we live in a Interesting times. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so what would you say is the biggest insurance-related obstacle to gender-affirming care, maybe that you've seen specifically? Well, prior authorization is a huge obstacle. Just, I mean, if you're, you know, completely with it and on top of everything, there's so many different pieces of paper and processes to go through that it's easy to, you know, kind of fall through the cracks there. But I think finding local providers that provide, that have the services that you're looking for that are in your plan can be um, challenging. Um, Like I mentioned before, you know, one of the two main health systems in the county that my office is based in doesn't perform gender reassignment surgeries. And so if a patient was on a local plan with that health system, they could not get the surgery done in network and that you wouldn't need to either switch plans or pay higher out of network costs. So uh, you're lucky if you're, you know, if you can find one provider in network that's going to offer it, let alone having multiple options. And I mean, what, you know, you can, of course, probably speak better to this because, you know, you mentioned that your parents had to go through some hoops for you, but that's what I've seen, just finding the providers that offer the services that are in network and jumping through all the insurance companies' hoops. Now, and that are accepting new patients. That's another thing. Once you find the providers, you've got to find ones that are accepting new patients. And that has been a challenge, especially during the pandemic. So I know, Donna, you said you've been doing this work since around 2018. And granted, I'm sure we've seen some kind of changes, how things have been going over that period of time. What would you say, what are those changes and what have been the biggest, most impactful ones? Well, the Navigator project is now funded um, at a much higher level than it was when I started. The current administration has been promoting and expanding it, expanding eligibility and helping for coverage and things like that. So that's been a thing that I've noticed has has changed. But in terms of actual insurance companies um, and what they're offering, I feel like it's gotten better. So in 2019, um, you know, the Trans Guide to Health Insurance for North Carolina that Help to Enroll produced 
there were only three insurers on the marketplace and only one of them offered clear coverage for most medically necessary transition-related care. Flash forward to this year and the guide, there are nine insurers in North Carolina and six of them provide clear coverage for most or all medically necessary transition-related care. So, I mean, I think that's a huge step forward. I've seen, you know, updated policies coming out from some of the insurance companies to sort of expand, you know, the definition of what's medically necessary and really flesh out the processes for getting stuff covered. I just saw in the news today, actually, that apparently the the North Carolina state health plan, if you are a dependent, I believe it does not cover transition-related care. And so some um, parents and dependents took that case to court and were basically just given the approval to take it further and not get the case dismissed. So they are able to sue the state of North Carolina for refusing to provide medically necessary transition-related care because part of the state health plan is funded by ACA money, and that's not ACA compliant. So I think that's huge, that's huge news for North Carolina specifically and, and folks around the state health. Um, and that's, you know, anyone who's employed by the state of North Carolina. Those are both some positive changes that I've seen. But of course, a lot of work is yet to be done. So I could definitely have it some strides, though, in the past few years. Kieran, would you like to ask that follow up? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was curious, and this is tangentially related. You know, you work in in legal work broadly, and then specifically with insurance for LGBTQ plus, specifically trans people. And I know that there, since 2016, there has been like a huge slate of anti-trans legislation, either proposed or introduced both on a national level and on a local level. I'm pretty sure 2021 had some of the highest rates of anti-trans legislation nationwide with North Carolina having, I think, two or three medical related in, uh, proposed, but thankfully not passed. And so I was curious if that sort of climate of this anti-trans sentiment sort of bleeding into the, the, the medical sphere uh, had any impact on ease of access to insurance or insurance companies like response to these bills? I, I honestly, I, I couldn't say. I don't know enough about the the topic to, to really give you an answer on that, but it's really unfortunate to hear that there's been so much anti-trans legislation introduced. Hopefully things will be better this year. One of the fingers crossed. Yeah, right. We're, it's still January. Definitely. So going off what you said about more um, insurance options, since you started working, are there any, if any insurers kind of made it a point to a better option? It seems like maybe possibly from a business standpoint, that could be a position to take to draw more customers or to appeal to certain people. So, I mean, I'm really not allowed to promote, you know, any kind of specific plan or company, but, you know, I encourage people to use those trans insurance guides that I mentioned on out to enroll as a starting place, but really you should call the different companies you're considering to ask more specific detailed questions about the medical services that you're looking for. I mean, you want to carefully read all the plan documents and policies. You know, like I said, things have gotten better since 2019, um, but there's still a long way to go. And, you know, insurance companies, by nature are looking for reasons to deny things, right? Like that's how they make money, right? Um, They don't want to have to pay your claims. (laughs) So just, you know, really make sure that you're jumping through all of their hoops. And, you know, if you need help with that kind of stuff, you can always make an appointment with a navigator. And, you know, we're federally certified to help people, you know, both sign up for coverage, but also use the coverage that they have and make sure that the insurance companies, you know, are living up to their end of the bargain. Definitely. And for some folks who are either stuck in a plan who that doesn't work well for them or for 
some folks will be at a work plan that doesn't cover things well. Are there any kind of resources outside of insurance that can help them access that care? So people who are underinsured are, are in a really tough spot because when you're when you have some kind of insurance, you're generally not eligible for the charity care that you would be eligible for if you had no insurance and met certain income criteria. So, you know, for patients who are uninsured, you know, you can apply for charity care, you know, for example, with, you know, Duke or UNC. I know that UNC does gender reassignment surgery, and I'm, I'm not sure about Duke. Duke might do some or all, I'm not sure. But they, you know, they both have charity care programs. Now, I don't know what the likelihood, you know, I don't know how well they're funded and how hard it is to get accepted and that kind of thing. But unfortunately, there's not really good options for folk who don't have coverage. And North Carolina Medicaid does not have any policy specifically about it. There's no explicit policy regarding transgender health coverage and care. So um, folks who qualify for Medicaid, it's kind of up in the air about whether they might be able to get things covered. And it might be a case-by-case basis since there is no explicit policy. That is the unfortunate reality. You know, in there are, you know, we're, North Carolina is one of the 12 states that hasn't expanded Medicaid um, to adults. There are other states that have expanded Medicaid that may cover transition-related care, but we are you know, we don't have a policy about it and we have not expanded Medicaid to include low-income adults. So sort of a moot point here. Definitely does seem very challenging for low-income folks trying to access care. What, mm-hmm. are there any kind of movements, bills, groups, you know, who are trying to better the situation, anything hopefully in the works, any trends you're noticing? I, you know, I can't really, you know, get involved in anything advocacy right. kind of stuff. So, you know, I can't really speak on that, but, you know, I can, I can only hope that access to affordable, high quality health coverage continues to expand, whether, you know, that be at the state level or the national level or some combination or at the local level. I mean, there are some um, counties in North Carolina that have programs in place to fill um, in for people who are in the Medicaid gap. I know, but I don't know if those programs, um, you know, would cover things like transition related care. It probably depends on who funds it and, you know, what county it's in. So there's, there's not really a good answer, unfortunately. Right. Well, that is all I have to ask here. And do you have any other questions you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like to discuss? No, but I will thank you so much for for answering all of our questions. I think it's really important to understand, you know, the the underpinnings of getting insurance and what's covered and what's not, especially for people who might be thinking about transition, uh, but haven't looked Uh into the logistics yet. So thank you so much for answering our questions. Yeah, you're welcome. And and before I go, I just want to let people know that there is a special enrollment period in place right now for people between 100 and 150% of the federal poverty level to sign up for coverage or change plans at any time during this year. So unfortunately, that doesn't help folks in the Medicaid gap, but it does help folks in the, the lower bracket of who qualifies for um, help pay for coverage. So if, if folks do fall into that window of income, then I encourage them to reach out to a navigator for a free appointment and they can do that at ncnavigator.net or they can go to healthcare.gov and look for find local help. So that's all I have. I want to thank you again. It's been really helpful to hear someone's perspective who deals with these issues a lot and seeing a lot of these things as a lot of these unique experiences. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to both of you and hope uh, this information proved helpful. 